Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. We hear the name Baker Mayfield, right? Oh, my God, Baker Mayfield's available. Has anybody watched him play? Brock Purdy played better yesterday than Baker Mayfield has played in Carolina. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, what a week 13 it was, but unfortunately, quarterback injuries ended up stealing the headlines and we saw one in Santa Clara despite the 33-17 victory for the 49ers they went on the field but ultimately they might lose long term after losing Jimmy G to a broken foot yeah before we get on the Jimmy G talk what are you going to do with your MVP Tua ticket are you going to hang on to it hey I never bet him buddy (laughs) oh I thought for sure you were at that window I I thought for sure you were coming down that that pike hard (laughs) I thought you were on route nine I thought you were all over that one here I am put me in for one of those bad boys huh no I I, I never got have one I I missed all the big numbers and then by the time he got down to like 10 to 1 8 to 1 I never got in on it but uh my guy had I mean, one. That's the, it, it, it that is the game. greatest thing the casinos have going for them, is to create this illusion that somebody could be it, and then they get all this money, and then they lower it, and then they get people to promote. You know, two is six to one. Oh, my God, he's six to one to be the MVP. If you just watch the games, there's no chance. But two is six to one. Oh, my God, he's six to one. He could be the MVP. He's the greatest player of all time. I've never seen anybody like this before. Like, like, And then they get all this money in on Tua, and then he has a shit day like he did yesterday. <laughs> You know, and everybody's, oh, well, he's not MVP anymore. I mean, it's the greatest scam of all. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the executive game in The Sopranos. Just come on in. We'll let you borrow some money. And before you know it, you'll be like, uh, you'll, you'll be like the, the guy who ran that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, the sporting goods store. You'll be busted out. Davey, you'll be busted out. I mean, it's, it's, it's the greatest scam of all. But anyway, no, I didn't want to go there, but I can't help myself. I, I know I you, you, were, you were foaming at the mouth ready to go out to. I mean, it's a joke. <laughs> You know, you know, can I tell you something? Yep. The first play of the game, okay, before mm-hmm. we get on Garoppolo, the first play of the game, they run a – they run – they motion Tyree Kill across to mm-hmm. almost – and he gets outside. And the 49ers react to him like, oh, my God, it's a bank robber. we got to make sure we get him before he gets out of the building, right? And Sheffield just goes up the seam for just a little bit because nobody covers him. He throws an eight-yard pass that goes for 75 yards. That's Tyreek Hill that made that play. That's Hill. That's why he's the MVP of their team. It's not Tua. Because if you took him out of the equation, nobody would, nobody would run like that. Nobody would ever run like that. So to me, that play was so symbolic of why Hill is such a great player. And people fear him. It's fear. They, mm-hmm. they ran to him. And then all of a sudden, Sheffield's wide open in the seam, and he goes 75 yards. And next thing you know, two MVP, better double down. Two, you better double down, Femi. I'm just telling you. 
I'm just telling you. Now, in, now, in Tua was bad yesterday. There's no excuse or no bones about it. His QBR was 19.3 out of 100. He was bad. He missed a ton of throws. But also, in fairness to him, he was both missing his two starting tackles, Teron Armstead yeah, but, and I mean, Austin look, Jackson. Those guys were both I'm just out. Telling you, I'm just telling you, when you make Tua have to rush, when you make him have to play faster, and he can't set his feet and check the runners at first and third, and you pressure him inside and you're fast and he's worried about it, you know, the, I, I was surprised he got through the game. I thought he would get hurt. Now, he was limping a little bit, and at the end he, got out of the, he, had, he didn't finish the game. But I actually thought they did a better job protecting him in that game. I thought McDaniels did a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands as fast as he could. I really did. I mean, it's just, you know, that's a hard team to play, right? That's yeah. a really hard team to play. And they, they did a nice job, you know, and, and, and he missed – because he had a rush, he missed a lot of throws. But, you know, look, the, the, the – Let's not, you know, let's not kill the main story. It's Jimmy mm. G, right? I mean, yeah. Jimmy G. 100%. I mean, look, the guy has had a hard time staying durable. But I think to me, when you look over the history of the NFL and you look over what has to occur to win a Super Bowl, the 49ers still have that ability. Now, it's not going to be easy. Make no mistake about it. And Brock Purdy, even though he started 46 games at Iowa State, has his limitations. But I will say this, you know, you got to play you got to they have a great defense. They've got to really be great in the kicking game. They've got to control field position because when you have a backup quarterback, you want to play on a short field. You don't want to you don't want to go 95 yards. You don't want to be in a lot of third downs. And they have a lot of skill players around them that he can pitch and catch it where he can just throw it out there and all of a sudden it can become one of those two a plays, throw it 8 yards, go 75. So, I don't think all is lost. I will say this, and I'd love to hear your reaction. Mm-hmm. I watched Josh Johnson. Now, Josh Johnson's a fascinating background. He's an Oakland kid. John, Jim Harbaugh, I could still remember sitting in the bleachers talking to the captain about he was going to take this job at, San, at the University of San Diego, and I'm telling him, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're at Piedmont High School watching our two sons play high school football, and I'm telling him, you can't take that job. It's too hard. That's going to be impossible. He said, you know, Walsh told you. He told me. He's told everybody. You want to be a head coach? Go be a head coach. Okay. He takes it. He takes Josh Johnson from Oakland down with him, mm-hmm. and they build the program down there. And so this kid's bounced around the league a thousand places. But this summer in Denver, and looking back on it, I think he was the best quarterback on Denver's team. Now, I'm not saying he's going to lead them to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm just saying this kid is experienced, and he could come in there, and if Purdy struggles, he could go over and lead the team. And the team will rally to him. Remember, in 1972, an old, old Earl Marl took over for Bob Greasy, and they stayed undefeated because the Miami Dolphins of 72 had great defense, cooking game, and they ran the ball. Okay, That was their mm-hmm. formula. They beat the Washington Redskins 14-7 in a Super Bowl. Let's go to 1986, when the, when the, when the, or is it 1989, when Jeff Hostetler has to take over yeah. for Phil Simms, right? And, you know, that was about defense, that was about the running game, that was about managing the game. It's there. Now, you could say, well, Nick Folk did the same thing. Well, Nick Folk replaced an MVP candidate in Carson Wentz. That, that offense had to change a little bit, and eventually it did. But they, they won because of Foles making plays. But I think at the end of the day, this doesn't eliminate the 49ers. 
Yeah, that's interesting because yesterday Purdy, 25 of 37, 210 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Uh, he provides a little bit more mobility than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's more athletic than he is, but the throwing, you could see the limitations there. But you think that they can still keep this ship afloat. Uh, a seventh-round pick, he was Mr. Irrelevant, no longer irrelevant now that he's the starter of a team that has championship aspirations here. Uh, were you impressed by what you saw from Purdy in, in relief duty yesterday? I, I thought he had his moments. He didn't, probably didn't get a lot of reps, but I thought he made some plays. He moved the ball. He doesn't throw the ball with great velocity. And I think as the as the year goes, as the games go on, people are going to play him differently, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to get played in a different manner, and he's going to have to prove he can do he can make throws. But he made some really accurate throws, and their offense is good. They can run the ball. You know, they, if they get the ball into these receivers' hands in the middle of the field, which they want to do, and he doesn't turn it over. They're going to be okay. They're going to, look, it's hard to score on them, right? It's hard to make plays on them. It's hard to consistently drive the ball down the field on that defense. And, you know, they're going to play – and they're, not, they're never going to be not attached to the game. They're always going to be in the game. And I just think, to me, if they can get that and they get their running game going, they, they got a chance. Look, J- Jimmy, what, they won a playoff game against Minnesota. What did Jimmy throw it, 10 times in that game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, was, so, it was the game against Green Bay, I believe. Yeah, the, the, the NFC title game against Green Bay. I think it was like 8 of 11 or something like that. But I don't think the Minnesota game he threw it very much in yeah. that game either. Yeah, both of those I games. Mean, I mean, everybody, all that all the Jimmy G haters were saying, hey, look, they're winning because, you know, they couldn't, they didn't throw the ball to Jimmy G. Uh, you know, I mean, look, you got to manage, you have to manage Jimmy G. You got to manage Garoppolo. You have to manage Purdy. You got to manage Tua, even though he's the MVP with your ticket. <laughs> but you have to be able to manage them, and they've got to run the ball. And yesterday they were able to do that. And I mean, look, the, when 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 Garoppolo went out, they were down seven. They were down seven nothing. They definitely were. Yeah. For the record, in that game against the Vikings, Jimmy G was eleven of nineteen for one thirty one. Then it's Green Bay, he was six of eight for 77, 77 yards in the NFC Championship game. They won the game thirty seven to twenty. So it was running the football and playing good defense. Uh, something that they've been doing so far this season as well. As for Jimmy G, though, and we'll have more time to talk about this as we get into the off season, but. What do you think is next for him? Because early Sunday morning there were the reports about the Niners maybe open to bring him back in 2023, oh. but now he's going to go through another offseason having to rehab from surgery. Well, I think you know the foot surgery won't be as hard as the as the as the as the back surgery that he went through. I think look, whoever signs Jimmy G in the offseason is going to do it with a a contract that's going to have incentives if he can stay healthy. I mean, durability has been his biggest issue. You know, and, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy through his entire career. So, you know, would he go with the 49ers and back up Trey Lance? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they're interested in bringing him back tells you all you need to know. Like, where would they be without this, right? How about those draft picks that they gave away for Lance? Where would they be if they had those? I mean, could you imagine if Brock Purdy <laughs> leads him to a Super Bowl? <laughs> that would be quite the story. If that I mean, it would be a hell of a Hollywood story. <laughs> From, I mean, from Mr. You know, Irrelevant to a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, yesterday they held Miami only had 45 plays in the game. Miami didn't convert a third down in the game. I don't know if the MVP voters are aware of this. They didn't even convert a third down in the game. They're 0 for 7 on third down, right? There was a play out there where two of there were 12 guys on the field. I think San Francisco had like 13 guys on the field at one time. And Tua wasn't even unaware of it. He, and he didn't even rush to get the snap the ball. He just let him kind of get off the field. When you make him play fast, and I don't know if the Chargers can make him play fast this week coming up, mm-hmm. but if he goes into Buffalo, it's going to be a hard game. 
Yeah, it's uh, it was not a good game for for Tua Tungvaluwa and the Miami Dolphins. They fall to eight and four, no longer at first place in the AFC East. It was a fantastic Sunday for Buffalo Bills fans, that entire organization, because the Dolphins they lose to the 49ers thirty three to seventeen, and also the Kansas City Chiefs. Michael lost to the Cincinnati Bengals twenty seven twenty four. Bengals now eight and four. Chiefs falling to nine and three, which means if the season were to end today, it doesn't. There's still five weeks left. But if it were to end today, the Buffalo Bills would be the number one seed in the. AFC, but how about Joe Burrow and this Bengals team? This is the third time, Michael, that they've defeated the Kansas City Chiefs in the calendar year of 2022. Uh, the Chiefs, yeah. for some reason, can't figure them out. Well, I, I thought they played a really good. They had a really good strategy to the game. I, I said on the show before the game, you, you got to, you know, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you can't give them 12 possessions. You can't. They can't have 12 drives because they're too good. Mahomes is too damn good. So they limit them to eight drives. They only forced one punt. You know, they only, forced one, they only forced one punt. You know, they got a fumble and a missed field goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, of the eight drives, they scored on five of them, right? You know, they played better in the red zone. Kansas City was three for four in the red zone. So they were able to do that. I mean, this is a close game only because, only because the Bengals are three for seven in the red zone. Yep. The Bengals had eight drives too. One punt. I don't know what your boy was thinking about Zach Taylor, he, he, but like he's not my boy. He lived, he lived through, he lived through Andy Reid not getting points at the end of the half. He saw it. it; it propelled his team to come back in the second half, and yet he decides at the end of the half to not take the points. It's the only reason why this was a game, to be quite honest. Because <laughs> well, I mean, they made a hell of a play. They stripped the ball out of Kelsey. Yeah. That was a hell of a play, right? But I mean, look, if you're going to beat the Chiefs. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, here's how you got to beat the Chiefs. Just go right to the fourth quarter. The Chiefs had 12 plays in the fourth quarter, right? They had 12 plays in the fourth quarter. They had three first downs. They fumbled and missed a field goal. Meanwhile, the Bengals, this is another fourth quarter win for the Bengals, and give them credit. I'm hard on Zach Taylor, but their toughness has showed up through Joe Burrow. There are 28 plays in the fourth quarter. They got uh, 10 first downs uh, and 10 points. That's how you beat – got to close the Chiefs out. You can't hold on to a lead. You can't do, uh, you know, like the Chargers. or the, You can't you can't not score in the fourth quarter if you're going to beat the Chiefs. You've got you to gotta be able to execute at the precise time of execution. You just can't let it go. And, look, the, the, the give the Bengals credit. They did a hell of a job, even without Joe Mixon. I mean, mm-hmm. Perrine, I've never seen Perrine run that hard before in my life. Have you? <laughs> not since Oklahoma. <laughs> not since his days back there. No. 21 carries, 106. Uh, he was he was giving it to that Chiefs defense. And you were talking about execution, Michael. Uh, how about the throw on that third and 11 from Joe Burrow to ice the game? I mean, just pinpoint accuracy. Burrow was 25 of 31, 286, two touchdowns. By far the best game of his season, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was the best game by the Bengals in terms of managing the game. Close. This is two weeks in a row now. They've closed the game. I mean, the, the, the Titans get the ball back. They might score. They closed the game out with their offense. They had 59 rushes and completions of the game, and they only had six incomplete passes. That's impressive. That's really impressive. You know, and Burrow was, to me, he, and I had him in my top five in my column this week. I think he clearly now is in the MVP conversation oh, yeah. because what he did, you know, and getting Chase back certainly helps. And when they get mixing back, and this defense is still really good. I mean, look, the Chiefs, they both teams average 6-5 per play. They average 6-5 per play. The difference in the game was the Chiefs didn't have the ball enough. That's just a fact. The Chiefs didn't have the ball enough. And the only reason it's as close as it was is because of the red zone. They were unable to put the ball in the end zone. 
we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs going forward. And I don't think it's panic button mode. I've been one of the few people that's not as high on Kansas City, and this is one of the reasons why. But for the Cincinnati side of this thing, Michael, are they better this year than they were last year? You know, they don't rush the passer. They're 20, 28th in the league in sacks per play. They got two sacks yesterday on Mahomes. I thought they rushed better. But I do think they're better. The offensive line, which I had been critical of all year, and I thought mm-hmm. when they went into Tennessee they would struggle. And they've really played better in the last couple. There's no doubt they've played better. And you can see it. I mean, their team in the last five weeks has played better. You know, they went up. To, they laid a stinker in, 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 uh, in Cleveland where they just basically got run over. But, you know, since that Cleveland game, this team has played really well. And when you look at them in the last five games of the season, I mean, they've done a really nice job. They've been able to control it, and and he's been able to throw the ball. And I think he's kind of getting more comfortable. Mm -hmm. He is getting more comfortable. There was a time where, you know, they were not protecting him, and he was getting way too many hits, and they then were turning the ball over. He hasn't done that. And I think when you look at this, you know, yesterday they get the fumble. They don't turn the ball over. They get the missed field goal. They don't miss a field goal. This formula for how the Bengals have to win hasn't really changed, and his execution to me is better than it was last year down the stretch. Yeah, the Bengals, we've been saying it for the few weeks now. They're an ascending team, and they showed yesterday, but they got some monster matchups down the stretch uh, here this season in December. Uh, Let's go over to the NFC East, though, Michael. These two teams couldn't run away from each other if they tried. Washington Commanders, New York Giants, they go ahead and tie. After 70 minutes of football, 20-20, to our score, uh, the Commanders, 411 yards of total offense, Giants 316, but the Commanders had 82 plays versus the Giants 65. I thought this was one that New York let slip away. Plenty of opportunities to get some turnovers, and Taylor Heineke, for some reason, nobody can catch his interceptions, I guess. I mean, it's unbelievable. The ball must be greased with him. (laughs) I mean, I don't I mean, that fourth down throw he makes, I mean, the game's going to be over. The game is over. You know, on fourth down, and he makes that incredible throw to McLaurin, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, the ball's out three times. The, the, they only lose it one time. I mean, the Giants had the ball out twice, you know. So I, I, I don't know if either team's good. I, I left after watching that game this morning. I felt like, you know what, both teams are not very – I don't. can either one of these teams go anywhere? No. Is this the best that we have to offer? You know, because the Giants look, the Giants have to play one way. They can't. They can't play another way. I mean, think think about what Washington did to the Giants. If you count overtime, right? If you count overtime, and and they had a they had uh, the the Giants had twenty seven plays counting overtime, mm-hmm. right? They had twenty seven plays, and they only got six first downs. And and if count the fourth quarter in overtime, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they punted. Every, they punted four times. They missed that long field goal. But but look, I mean, here's the fourth quarter for the the the, the Washington Commanders. I mean, they end up having the ball. They end up having the ball. Uh, uh, t- like 29 plays. They get they got 12. They got 10 first downs. They missed a field goal and they scored a touchdown. They went eight plays, 90 yards, got four first downs. I mean, they were able to make the plays, and then they get in overtime. They can't get a first down. You know, they get one first down in overtime out of eight plays. It's really remarkable that these two teams are in line for a playoff spot. Uh, yesterday, Heineke, 27-41, 275, two touchdowns. Daniel Jones, 25-31, of 31, 200 yards, one touchdown, no interception. Uh, but th- these aren't good teams. And I know people will say, hey, Washington, they're with Heineke, there's something that's brewing. Stop. Like, like, we're watching the games. When they play good teams – 
the bill will come due. I, I don't think that these are. But good who's teams, a good but, team? I mean, other than Philadelphia, yeah, right. Philly other than and San Dallas? Francisco yeah. and Dallas. I mean, you know, Dallas is to me. Dallas is better than the Commanders and, and, and the Giants. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, we'll get on them later. But I mean, mm-hmm. like who? Minnesota. I mean, the problem with Minnesota is they, they like I, we've been saying this all year, they, they punt so many damn times and they look so god darn ugly that you can't think they're any good. And at the end of the day, they do all the things you have to do to win a game. They play great in the red zone. They get off the field on third down, and they win the game. It's going to be a fascinating NFC playoffs, but I, I think it's going to come down to one of those top two teams in the NFC East, either Philly or Dallas. Maybe San Francisco with Purdy can get something done, but uh, I'll have to see that first. To I believe mean, look, it. Seattle's still in this thing, too. Yeah, yeah, Seattle's in the mix. They're definitely in the mix. Uh, but we'll talk some more Minnesota on the other side. Let's take our first break. Jets-Vikings, the game that could have been for Mike White. We'll discuss it here on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but... It has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you gotta do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, Michael, before we get back to Sunday Slate, one of the cool things about taping this Monday morning is we get the breaking news out of the league. And Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network tweeting out moments ago that sources say the Panthers are expected to release Baker Mayfield. He'll hit the waivers when it's finalized later today. Now, we just discussed in the first segment, there's a Super Bowl contender out there that needs a quarterback right now, has a seventh round rookie starting for them. Uh what would be required to pick up Baker Mayfield? What would a team be taking on if they ended up putting in a waiver claim for the former number one overall pick? Well, so he's got, you know, his base salary, the, the Browns paid over $10 million in signing bonus to facilitate the trade, okay? So the Panthers were paying $4.1 million of base salary, paragraph five. And typically, because you play 17 games with a bye week, you divide that number by 18. Okay, and he's got a bunch of incentives that he could earn, which I think he's got another three and a half million dollars of incentives in his contract. Mm -hmm. So what happens is now with only five games remaining, you you basically have to pick up. I think it's like one point three million or one point one million remaining of a salary. You've got to have that much cap room to put him on your cap. And it's got to be that much cap room because there's no top 51. You get no player off. You've got to have that kind of room to be able to do that. So, you know. And, and here's the question. I mean, we hear the name Baker Mayfield, right? Oh, mm-hmm. my God, Baker Mayfield's available. Has anybody watched him play? 
I mean, has anybody watched this guy? I mean, if Baker Mayfield played half as good as he did two years ago for Carolina, Matt Rule wouldn't be at Nebraska. They would have beaten. They would have beaten the Browns opening day. They could have beaten the Giants on week two. They could have easily beaten the Cardinals in week four. I mean, he has not played well. Uh, 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 you know, whatever it is, he's not played well. He can't see. He has a hard time and drop back. Now he fits what Kyle Shanahan does. There's no denying it. Mm-hmm. But Brock Purdy played better yesterday than Baker Mayfield has played in Carolina. Uh, that's, that's a fact. Yeah, it's hard to argue. That that's a fact. Now the Niners have the cap room to do it. There's no denying it. They could they could claim him. I don't know if they would. I don't know if they will. It gives him an experienced player, but does you know what does that give do for him? Is he if you just watch the tape and forget the media? It's like somebody texted me yesterday that we're talking about the ESPN and the NBA coverage, and somebody was saying that you know ESPN still thinks Joel Embiid and James Harden are megastars. Like seriously, is anybody watching them play? You know, is anybody? Wa- it's like we think Baker Mayfield because he was the first pick in the draft. Like if you watch him play this year, it was a disaster. He doesn't upgrade them. Josh Johnson actually played better in the preseason than Baker's played. Now, I don't know if he could do it in the regular season, but Baker in the regular season was a disaster. So you're saying if you were John Lynch, you would not put a claim in for Baker Mayfield, or even if he goes through the waivers and clears them, would you try to sign him to even a smaller contract? you think there's no value of bringing Mayfield into the situation the Niners currently are in? I don't know if he's better than what I have. I mean, based on the tape, he's not better than what I have. Based on and the logic that the Panthers used, which I agree with, the logic the Panthers used was simply his pro tape was better than Sam Darnold's pro tape up until that point. There's no denying that. Okay, I agree with that. But from the time he's played in Carolina, there hasn't been the same. I don't know what's wrong. Is it the coaching in Carolina? What is it? Now you know Stefanski kind of runs that Kyle Shanahan offense, the bootlegs, the nakeds, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe he, maybe you do it. I, I, I just, there's no evidence to do it. It's like yesterday. I took on Chris Russo. I took Houston, and laying the seven. There's no evidence to take Houston, but I just felt like it was a play, not a pick, not a handicap. To me, if you're claiming Baker Mayfield, it's based on you think you can get him back to that to where he was two years ago when he almost beat Kansas City in Kansas City. But there has been no evidence that he's looked anything like that since then. Is there any sort of issue with bringing him in? And like, let's say he clears waivers, you sign him to a cheap veteran deal. And well, he's going to get paid the rest of that money. So the Panthers pay him. So yeah, whatever. If he goes through the wire, clear. Which I assume he will. Yeah, right? I, I assume he that. will. Yeah. Because here's the other thing you have to understand: even if you claim him, you don't have any rights to him next year. He automatically becomes a free agent, even though he is a free agent. He automatically does. So you're basically paying a million one to rent him. Right, you're paying a million one to rent him. Now, you know, maybe if you're, you know, I, and why would you do that to keep him away from the Niners? If you watch him play, you say, well, yeah, let him go. The Niners, he should play. I mean, we'll we'll we'll, we'll kill him. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll beat him. <laughs> Just don't foul him out. But it, maybe it's a, an expensive insurance policy for the Niners. I, I know they have Josh Johnson already there, who has experience in this Shanahan scheme. He was with Lafleur with the Jets last year, so he kind of knows the scheme there. But maybe it's even more insurance if Purdy or Johnson were to not work out in San Francisco. Well, I mean, it, it is. It certainly is insurance. It certainly does do that. And the one thing about Clint, when you take Josh Johnson off of Denver's practice squad, you guarantee him to be on your roster for three weeks. So you've committed to Josh Johnson. 
So if and if you claim Baker and you take on that contract, you're taking on that guarantee that remains. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a vested veteran. He's getting his money. His contract is guaranteed, whether it was or wasn't, right? Yeah. So you know, and then so to me, this is one of those decisions. Do we do it? You know, probably you would think they would. I think he probably would say, okay, you know, he's an experienced guy. He knows our system. It won't be hard for him to catch up, and we'll see how we go with Purdy. Now, when you do that, are you putting what, – what's Purdy going to feel like, right? You're basically <laughs> saying we have no confidence in you, Purdy, but go out and win a game. Yeah, that's that, – that would be the I mean, message. That's the fine line. Remember, the remember, when, remember when Brady got hurt and – the Patriots had two quarterbacks. One of them was Christopher Sims from NBC. Had two quarterbacks on Monday due to work out. Not because they thought Brady was going to get hurt. Only because they were preparing their emergency list. Well, once Brady got hurt in the game, they canceled the workouts. They, didn't want, they did not want it to imply or make Castle feel like they were bringing somebody in to replace him. They wanted to say, okay, we got faith in you. Let's go. And it's a fine line here, right? It's a really fine line. And... They have the answer. I don't. They've watched Purdy in practice. I've watched Purdy play that game. Not a great arm, but he made a lot of good throws. He's made better throws in that game than Baker Mayfield made against any team he's played for that. I mean, go back and watch. Go back and look at some of the games that they played with him. I mean, they couldn't move the ball against mm-hmm. bad defenses. I mean, Carolina struggled. I mean, look, you know, you, you had to wonder. I mean, Baker. I mean, if Carolina had a quarterback. They would be a better team. Probably win the division. I mean, just let, let, let's just take a moment here. I mean, so Baker's career, right? So, you know, Baker's had – he started he started 65 games in his NFL career, right? This list last year, his, his, his percentage of completion was below 60%, the lowest in his career. His touchdown percentage was 2.9, the lowest in his career. His best was 5.3 and 20. His interception percentage was 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 basically right around 2.9, which is what his career average is. His yards per attempt was down to 6.4. They got DJ Moore. I mean, they have some decent receivers. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't make a play. He couldn't make a play, and so you know he played. He started six games for them. They won one game. He threw six touchdowns through six interceptions. I mean, are you sure? Are you sure that's going to help you? I wouldn't be sure because I agree with what you're saying with Baker and what he's done on the field this season. I'm just not sure if they have any other options, but we'll see if Brock Purdy ends up being better for them I mean, this guy, than it would think be for Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker in, in, in his rookie year, everybody thought he, he, was, he threw 27 touchdown passes. Okay, yeah. this is the perfect example of when we watch quarterbacks, you got to be really careful to not go overboard early because people will defend them. See, this is what worries you about Purdy too, right? So once people get a look at what Purdy does, the reason Al Davis made every defensive coach look at quarterbacks in the draft is what happened yesterday. Exactly what happened. Like, did Josh Boyer, the defense coordinator for Miami, really know who Purdy was and wasn't? It was, you know, did he study him in the draft? Did he understand him? You know, I could promise you if Belichick were on that sideline, he would have said, okay, Purdy's in, weak arm, here's what we got to do. There would have been an adjustment to the quarterback, mm-hmm. because, even though he's never played. So Baker comes in the league. He's AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, he throws 27 touchdown passes, 14 interceptions, and, and, he make, and he's 6-7 and seven as a starter. The next year he comes back, people start to know a little bit about him. He's 6-10. and 10. 
right? Then he has the breakout year with Stefanski, where he's unbelievable. 26 touchdown passes, eight interceptions. But once they got a once once people saw him got a hold of this and he started getting hit, all of a sudden that shit hit the tank too. So I, I, I don't know if it can be rectified. Well, it'll be fascinating to track it this week. Somebody is probably going to pick him up, we would imagine. Who's the uh, somebody? Like, who would pick him up? I mean, it's got to be San Francisco. Other than well, who them, else? I, I don't think anybody else would. I, I don't. Like, who I else, mean, who, who else, else can pick up? Who else is going to put, like, who, I mean, if, you're, if somebody's watching pro tape, right? Like, one thing about quarterbacks, you know, like, would the Rams pick him up? The season's over. You know? Why would you do that? No. Right. I mean, you know, they need a would, – would uh, Denver pick him up? I mean, Same, same scenario. Yeah, season's over. Right? I mean, you know, would Houston claim him? Not a chance. I mean, you know, he's just as bad as what they have. I mean, we'll get to Houston later. I mean, like, mm-hmm. who's going to claim him? I mean, if you're sitting in San Francisco, you say, okay, who's claiming him? First of all, if anybody's ahead of us that claims him, you know, if, say – Atlanta claims them. They would get him before we would anybody. We're better off just letting them go through the wire and bring them in here. Well, let's go through the rest of Sunday's slate here, Michael. And we talked about, hinted at it in the first segment, the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, somehow, some way. You look at some of these box scores of the games that they win, you truly oh wonder. God. They beat they, the Jets 27-22. to 22, And the yards per play, the total yards, all favor the New York Jets. But once again, NFL games oftentimes coming down to turnovers and what you do in the red zone. And it really comes down to game strategy, right? I think, I think to me... If if you're going into a game that's close, now I know this was a 26 game at the halftime, but there's certain times where you are committed to who you are, no matter where you are. Okay, like for example, at the end of the first half, the great Jeff Saturday, who it's not his fault, you know he, you know everything's fine. Uh, those interviews were too much to take, but the reality of it is, is is when you when you go out there and you got Matt Ryan. I don't care if you're in a two-minute drill or you're not in a two-minute drill. you got to run the ball. Like, you can't change who you are. Now, if it's the last drive of the game, you have to. But just because you're in two-minute doesn't mean you go to two-minute because you have to know who you are. And to me, this game against the Jets was exactly what it, to me, was it the game that separates the, what strategy is versus decision-making, right? Mm. Like, the strategy is knowing who you are, getting to the core issue of what you are, and playing within that. And you say, well, you know, we couldn't run the ball. No, that's not true. The Jets ran the ball. The Jets could run the ball against Minnesota. They just chose to throw it 50-some times. They just chose to put the ball in Mike White's hands this many times, and now we're surprised he's turned it over. I mean, like, why is that? I said on the show before the game, you know, people forget he, he had eight turnovers and three starts. I mean, this guy has turned the ball over before. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a, 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 a player, but he's had a bunch of turnovers before. And when you're averaging, I think they average five one a carry. Femi, they average mm-hmm. five yards a carry. It's, it's just run, I mean, and you, run the football. You, 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 you throw it 57 times, and you're surprised he has two interceptions, and he could have had more. He could have had more. I mean, the, the, before the end of the game, before the end of the game, they almost had an interception. I, I just think, to me, the strategy and the game plan to go into Minnesota in a hostile environment, I know they got behind, but you're only two scores behind. You've got to manage the game. And then, of course, you know, you wonder why Minnesota wins? I'll tell you exactly why they win. All right? The Jets, 3 for 16 on third down. 
the Jets in the red zone. One for six on third. One for six in the red zone. The Jets had the Jets had the ball. They had they had the last half of the game. They never punted. They never That's... punted. And then he gives them points at the end of the half. Remember, he goes for it on downs. Mm-hmm. And they get those three points were the difference of the game. Now nobody says anything because it's smart to go for it on fourth down, right? Just like you know, last night when the when the when the Colts make it twenty-one to nineteen, oh, you got to go for two. No, go for one there. The game's early. Just take the point. You don't have to go for two yet. Don't panic. But no, got to go. Now it's twenty-one nineteen. You got to go for you got you know. We're at the, you're at your own forty-three yard line. You go for it, and Minnesota gets the ball back, and you give them three points. Yeah, that felt like a frustrated decision there by Robert Sala. He was a little frustrated that they were trailing, and the game was like, F it, let's go for it. And it's like, you, you got to be able to manage your emotions throughout the course of a game. Though Minnesota, though, Michael, now 9-0 and in games decided by eight points or less. They got the secret sauce, man. How many teams have boarded their plane after leaving Minnesota and have sat down in their seats and gotten their meal at their, ta- at their seats and said, you know, we're better than they are? You know, like how many think how many of that? You know, I bet New England thinks that. Yeah. I mean, Chicago probably thought that. Mm-hmm. Arizona, the mayor might have thought that. I mean, clearly, clearly the Jets thought that on the way home. No, we're better than they are. We just lost. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable, right? It's. I mean, it's wild. Stephen Bond, our producer, said said this. He's he's right. I mean, the AFC East is supposed to be this great division. Minnesota wins ugly in Miami. They win ugly at the. They win ugly against New England and the and the Jets at home, and they win and they beat Buffalo. Now the Buffalo game was. I mean that was one in a million, but they did. I mean they averaged four point three yards per play, but when the Jets needed a stop, when the Jets needed a stop, mm-hmm. right? The, when the game with twelve minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and the Jets make this a tight game, right? They go seven plays, seventy five yards, five first downs. The only five first downs they got in the fourth quarter. And they score the touchdown. It's the Vikings somehow, some way, ten and two. They're getting it done. Uh, Kevin O'Connell is throwing his hat into the coach of the year kind of discussion here. But uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating thing. We'll see if it comes to fruition in the playoffs if they're able to get some of these uh, close victories. But so far, they're doing it in the regular season. Uh, a team, Michael, that doesn't need a lot of close wins. The Philadelphia Eagles. Boy, what an impressive performance yesterday afternoon. They beat the Tennessee Titans thirty-five to ten. Philly now eleven and one, best record in the league. Titans they fall to seven and five in a game that wasn't close from the jump no it wasn't and I you got to credit Philadelphia Philly went into this game with the right plan they were not going to to try to force their offense down Tennessee they knew Tennessee was prepared for the six back they knew Tennessee was strong down the middle so instead of trying to force the running game they decided to come out and feature their passing game and they throw it 39 times the most they've thrown it I mean you know Jalen Hurts only ran the ball five times in the game Mm -hmm. so they went more away from what they did and they went into more of a passing mode and they, and they just killed the Titans in their passing game. And then the Titans, by getting the lead early in the game, the Titans couldn't run the ball. And then the Titans, the Titans are not built to play catch-up. No. The Titans are just not built to play catch-up. And why, you say, well, how can the Titans play the Chiefs so well and not the Eagles? I'll tell you the reason. The, the, the Eagles' offensive line is really, really good. And that's the reason why. They can block Tennessee. Whereas the Chiefs' offensive line, I think you saw a little bit of it yesterday, that's not the same thing. So, you know, I, I give the Eagles a ton of credit. They changed their game plan. They changed their style. They played left-handed, and they dominated. That tells you how good they are. 
I think that was the last thing that people wanted to see is, hey, can the Eagles win a game with just being a passing team? And they beat a pretty tough team in the Titans. Hurts, 29 of 39, 380, three touchdowns. MVP, Michael? For well, I think Hurts? he's got to be in the discussion. I mean, he, he's been really good, you know, and he, and he threw the ball effectively, you know, and he was the difference in that game. You know, and, he, and, he, and see, what I think happens is when you play a team like Tennessee that wants to play a style, the only way you get Mike Vrabel out of his style is you've got you've to advance the game. You've got to make the game different. He doesn't, he'll never going to get – if he stayed attached at 14-10, to 10 in the, if he would have been like, the, like Minnesota, 20-6 to 6 at the half, he would have stayed with his plan. But once he extended it out, he couldn't. Now he averages three three point nine yards per play. Credit the Eagles defense getting Jordan Davis back helps. Sue's coming mm-hmm. along. I mean, they their offensive and defensive lines are the key. I, I think Hurt certainly deserves a lot of consideration. I mean, he's played really well and he's answered the bell. I mean, there's really been no they they alleviated that Washington game plan because they knew going in that Tennessee was going to try to duplicate the Washington game plan, run the ball, control it. But what happened in the game? I mean, what happened in the game was the Tennessee's four for fourteen on third down. I mean, the Eagles are three for eleven on third down, but yep. they were able to. They went for it three times on fourth down and got every one. And a hat tip to AJ Brown in the revenge game against his old buddies: eight catches, one hundred nineteen yards, and two touchdowns. He was fired up all afternoon uh, seeing his old friends on the opposing sidelines. Let's squeeze another game in here real quick, Michael. Detroit Lions they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars forty to fourteen. And I saw this nugget from Andrew Siciliano earlier this morning: Detroit had eight possessions other than taking a knee to end the game. They scored on all eight possessions. No NFL Everyone. team had scored on every possession in a regular season game in four years. Average 5.9 yards per play in the game. Eight drives, never punted, scored on every single one. I mean, it was really a hell of a play. 24 plays in the fourth quarter, they got 10 first downs. They were 66% on third down in the game. They got the ball into the red zone. They were 4 for 4 goal to go in the red zone. And I, and I got to give them credit. They're playing way better defensively than they have all year. Mm-hmm. They're playing way better defensively right now. I think if they played Washington or New York, they might beat that those two teams. Yeah. I mean, they already beat now, New I don't York. know if they could, you know, I, and I say that, and, I, and I'm always hesitant about Jared Goff playing outdoors, but he went in, he, you know, he went in and played the Giants, beat them, you know, and so outdoors. He played, he's played better outdoors, but give him credit. I mean, they're playing way better defense. Look, they played better defense against Buffalo than New England did. And they held the Jaguars to under 300 yards. Now, I know Lawrence got hurt, but they kicked them up. They kicked their ass up front. They really did. Lawrence got mm. the crap beat out of them. Yeah, for a second there, it looked like he was going to suffer a season-ending injury. Luckily for Trevor Lawrence, who's able to come back into the game into the second half. Uh, Detroit now sitting at 5-7. and seven the frisky team that most people thought they would be this offseason. What do you think they end up doing with Jared Goff at quarterback heading into next year? 31-41, 342 touchdowns. If you protect him, he's shown that he can be a pretty damn good quarterback. We saw him take a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, what do you think they'd do this offseason? Well, I think to me is what, do you, what will we do? Who's going to replace him? If we run him out of here, what are we going to do? What, where are we going with him, right? And I think at the end of the day – you just got to say to yourself, until we find somebody better, we just got to keep managing this. Now they got a high; dra- they're going to have a high draft pick. Yep. Thanks so the Rams. if they like somebody in the draft, but on that Rams pick, to me, then they got to go in that direction. But they're hard to play. They're playing really well right now. They're, you know that 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 was the best game they've had defensively since Dan Campbell's been there. I think they gave up 266 yards. Mm-hmm. They they took Jacksonville completely out of the game. You know, and, and they were able to and they don't and they didn't turn the ball over. I mean, they've only had 
since the Cowboy game, which really was a disaster, right? They had it's, that's yeah. a ten six game at the, and the, and they're going in to score. They've only turned the ball over three times since that Cowboy game. They protected the ball better. You know, they had a chance to you know they had a chance in Miami. They didn't score in the second half. You know, and they had a chance against Buffalo. They messed up the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty disappointing for them if that Buffalo game ends up being the one that keeps them out of the playoffs because they've won four of their last five. It could be five in well, a row. I mean, if they're not, they got Minnesota them. at home, right? They got Minnesota mm-hmm. at home. I don't even know what the number on this is. I probably going to be pick. what? Minnesota's going to be? It's no, a pick them. It's a pick them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's. I mean, Minnesota gets no respect at the market. I mean, they just they pitch slap Minnesota like crazy. I mean, they trip, they it's... they treat Minnesota like 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 uh, like Richie April t- treated Beansy. I mean, they just put the coffee cup all uh, just smash a coffee pot right over Minnesota's head. You know, you know like, they don't give a shit. In fairness to the market, and I'm actually seeing Detroit where I'm sitting at Circa is now a one point favorite. In fairness oh. to the market, Detroit probably should have beat Minnesota that first game in Minneapolis. So no, they should have. They were on the plane. Hey, they're one of those teams that were on the team plane saying we're better than them. Yep. I mean, they held Minnesota to the 373 in that game. They're on the plane flying home saying we're better than that team. Fuck, well, how did we lose to that game? I mean, that's the conversation on every team aircraft when they take <laughs> off from Minneapolis. They're up in the air. We're better than that team. Yeah. Whatever. And nobody beats them. But at some point, like Dallas did, they're going to run to a buzzsaw. It could be this week. I mean, the Lions could. Mm-hmm. One thing we know for sure, Minnesota's going to give you a ton of yards. I mean, Minnesota will just give you as many yards as you possibly They're just good in the red zone. They're good on third down. The, the total in that game, Michael, is uh, 53, 53 and a half. There's going to be some points. I could see it. There's going to be some points in that game. But let's take one more break here. We'll get to the best of the rest from Sunday on the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, let's get to the rest of the games from Sunday. The Baltimore Ravens survive against the Denver Broncos. They win it 10-9. Unfortunately for the Ravens, though, Lamar Jackson, he hurts his knee, leaves the game in the first half. Tyler Huntley, who we saw a lot of last season, comes in, leads the game-winning touchdown drive. But uh, it's going to be tough for Baltimore, pending on how Lamar uh, can recover from this knee injury. You know, I mean, I, I'm so done with Baltimore's offense. Same. I mean, first of all, I feel bad for Lamar. But I, I, I can't – I mean, this offense is a joke. 
They have no passing game whatsoever. Is this a joke? Like, I don't understand how John Harbaugh can be the head coach and watch this offense and think like we're really making strides. I mean, Carolina was better against Denver than they were. Like, where is this passing game? You know, he said, well, we, we had 415 yards against Jacksonville. I mean, well, I mean, Detroit never punted. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like when are we going to – when when does this passing game ever show up? I mean, you call that trick play with, you know, down in the red just zone. You got to I, mean, I mean, you could put the ball on the 10-yard line for Denver and just say, let's play overtime rules with the Broncos offense, and they won't score 20 points. Just play overtime rules with the Broncos. Right? Get ten possessions. We'll put the ball at the twenty-five. You won't score 20, 24. You won't score over twenty. I just promise you, they won't. It, it was. Just, I mean, it's a joke. I, yeah. Like I, I don't. You know, they got to go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's playing better. They got to go to Cleveland. Cleveland's not very good. Deshaun was horrible. But I, I to me, hopefully Lamar's better. Mm-hmm. But the bigger issue, and I've been saying this for three years, is they're running the wrong offense for Lamar. Mm-hmm. They're running the wrong. This offense is horrible. It continues to be horrible. Well, Greg Roman might go be the next head coach of Stanford football, so uh, maybe that's what we'll see next year. But after the game, John Harbaugh said of Lamar, said it's, quote, days to weeks in terms of when he'll be back. I mean, might as well just say it's seconds to minutes at that point. I mean, like, what are we? I don't know what that time frame is, but it doesn't sound great for this week for Lamar. As you mentioned, they're going to Pittsburgh to face Kenny Pickett in that Steelers defense, which has been pretty good. Uh, let's go to Las Vegas, where I'm sitting here, Michael. The Raiders have now won three straight. They beat the Chargers 27-20. to Carr was, I thought, solid. Devontae Adams was once again amazing. Eight for 177. Then Josh Jacobs, 26 for 144 and a touchdown. This Raiders team, they got something rolling here. Yeah, they, they, found who out, who, they found out who they are, right? You know, even though the worldwide leader was trying to get Josh fired a couple weeks ago, remember that? That's cooled off a little. <laughs> yeah, it's cooled off a little bit. You know, I had to get the owner to come out and support him. I mean, look, they can run the football. Uh, Jacobs has been sensational. He, he makes more yards after contact than most backs I've ever seen. Uh, and, you know, they throw the, the second half. They have three plays in the third quarter. They get 14 points. They turn the ball over. The defensive tackles for the Raiders have played better, which has allowed Crosby and, and Chandler Jones to play better. They wore down. They really wore down the, uh, the Chargers defensively. The Chargers, we'll get to them later on defense. But, look, they put a lot of pressure on Herbert. They were able to create a turnover. And, you know, they, they make plays. I mean, and they've left. And the thing that's amazing is when you watch the Raiders, they leave plays on the field. I mean, Carr has Mac Hollins open for a touchdown. He tries to, he throws it to Devontae. Devontae almost makes it. They score there. The game's over. Mm-hmm. But they were able to run the ball out in the fourth quarter, even though the Chargers knew they were going to run the ball. And they play, they've played decent defense the last couple of weeks. I mean, I know they've won overtime, but they play way better defensively than they did against Indianapolis in, in November, in the beginning of November. To start the season, I said by the end of the year, we'll be saying that Jamar Chase is the best receiver in football. Now, he got hurt, in fairness to me, but uh, I think he's in the discussion. I know a lot of people love Justin Jefferson. Tyreek Hill, he's a favorite of this podcast, but I watch football every Sunday, and it's hard to find a better player than Devontae Adams week in, no, week out. It, he is it's unbelievable. unbelievable. And they, I mean, he really is, and you know, and they don't have – you know, and, and look, they don't have Waller, who was supposed to be a good player for him this year, mm-hmm. right? They don't have Renfro. Waller. They don't have Hunter Renfro. Mac Hollins has done a nice job for him. I mean, he, he makes some plays. He's a tough kid. He goes in there and he blocks his ass off, you know, so that, that, that really helps. And, look, you know, let's face it, they've been able to get the ball to, the, to, the, to, to him, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, he's got, what, he's been targeted 135 times, averaging almost 15 yards a catch, but, Fem, I mean, 
he's been – and they run enough trick stuff to him that it's remarkable that he's so wide open. I mean, he was yeah. so open on that trick play, it was ridiculous. Let's go over to the game that we saw on Sunday Night Football, and I get it. It's the Dallas Cowboys, so the league was never going to flex them out of the spot, but good Lord, did we really need this to be the primetime game? Yeah, we did. We <laughs> needed to hear. We needed to have a sit-down <laughs> with Jeff it. Saturday. We needed, we needed to study Jeff Saturday. We needed to have him tell us all the things. And then we needed all those people to tell us how everything has changed and everything's great in Indianapolis now that Jeff's in there and <laughs> the job's not too big for him. He understands it. You know, he's prepared for it. And then I watch him at the end of the first half, and I'm like, Jeff, you know, you realize you you can't block them, and if you're going to turn this ball over, I mean, I mean, not not only did the Cowboys have one of the worst uh, middle eight drives I've ever seen in my life, they get the ball back. They know they know ball. They know Indianapolis is going to get the ball to start the half, mm-hmm. right? They know that. They go three three passes incomplete and out, but not to be outdone. Not to be outdone. The Saturdays they come out with two incompletions. They convert a third down, and then they turn it over. And there's the game right there. There's the game. Oh, you say, well, Indianapolis came back and scored. I mean, yeah, they did. They did. But did you really think you were? You changed who you were. You, you're so limited in how you can win games if you're the Indianapolis Colts. You're limited. You can't do that. Hmm. And, you know, and, and, and when you get behind like that, it's just a problem. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too hard on Saturday in the park, but to me – all this bullshit, you know, they're, they're dumping all over Frank, right? You know, it was there was no toughness. I changed it. We got more toughness in the team. Like, seriously? I mean, did Frank Wright ever lose 54 to 19 or 18? I have did a conf- Frank Wright give up 33 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter? I actually have a confession to make, Michael. Um, I went ahead and bet Indianapolis in this game. I took plus 10 and a half. Thinking that Dallas would be a little sluggish, you know, maybe a little too much turkey after the win over the Giants. And Dallas, in my in fairness to me, didn't really play well. And it was 21-19 to start the fourth quarter, but then a 33-point unanswered run by the Cowboys makes it 54-19. Dallas, I thought, was just kind of average. I thought they were average. I thought they were average I they were really, I mean, but, but what got him going a little bit, so he gets the ball back. Saturday gets the ball back with 118 to go in that game, right? Now he's going to start the game. Mm-hmm. He's going to start the half, right? And and he and he starts out with two incomplete passes. Then he gets a third down. They convert a third down, and then two plays later throws the interception. And so now he's now he's instead of staying attached, he's out of it. So you know, then he gets the ball to start the half. Doesn't do anything with it. He goes on a great fifteen play drive. They get six first downs, and they and they even the score. And then the next thing you know, they start turning it over in the fourth quarter. Fumble, interception, interception, fumble. I mean, you say, well, it's not on the coach. Well, I mean, it, you know, like to me, it's like you've got to manage the game, and, the, and obviously it just didn't happen. Last note on the game, Cowboys, the 33 points they scored in the fourth quarter, the second highest fourth quarter total by a single team in NFL history. Only the Detroit Lions had more with 34 points in the fourth against the Chicago Bears in 2007. I mean, how about that quote by Saturday? Uh, you know, Matt Ryan knows he didn't play well, but I never considered pulling him. How about – we all didn't play good. We all didn't coach good. Like, why do you got to – I mean, like, seriously, why do you have to say it's just on him? Only time will tell, I guess. Uh, let's move over to the West Coast here, Michael. Uh, Seahawks, they beat the Rams 27-23. Got a little hairy there for Seattle in this game going against John Wolford and that Rams attack. But uh, Geno Smith, 28 of 39, 367, three touchdowns. And my man, Tariq Woolen. Another interception now tied for most in the league was six here. What would you make of Seattle's performance? 
I mean, I was on Seattle and laying the seven. Obviously, it didn't. It was the wrong play. I'm not sure it was the wrong handicap. I mean, Seattle averaged 6.7 yards per play. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Rams ran the ball more effectively than I anticipated them being able to do. But you know, look, the, the Seattle turned the ball over way too many times. You know, and, and and where they turned the ball over, they turned it over in scoring positions, right? So you know, they had they basically they turned it over uh, in LA territory twice. And they needed a final drive to, to win the game, and they got it out of Geno. I thought Geno played well. You know, this Ram team was – I give them credit for battling. You know, they battled through it, but they're just not talented enough. But, you know, when you come out, they come out at halftime. You know, they start off the drive. They fumble at the, char- at the Ram 40. Then they get a field goal. Then they throw an interception at the Ram 38. Then they get another field goal, right? That they, they get the ball. The Rams are the number two best – fourth best red zone team in football. And probably was a mistake to lay that many points knowing that. But I just thought Seattle would take the game over. I still thought they would take the game over. I wasn't anticipating that them being able to run the football as well as they did. But Seattle's defense is not great. Mm -hmm. I I think they're a wild card team if they make it. Yeah, well, maybe they throw their hat in the ring to win the division there. Who knows how this thing with Brock Purdy goes with the 49ers. That'll be fascinating in a couple weeks when they play up in Seattle on a Thursday night. Uh, finally, Michael, Steelers beat the Atlanta Falcons 19-16. Pittsburgh is starting to play some good football over the last month here. Kenny Pickett, 16 of 28, 197, and a touchdown. Not stats that will wow you, but I thought he was pretty solid in the performance as uh, the Steelers now 5-7. and seven. Did you see my man Tomlin? He's walking down the field and some fans trying to talk <laughs> yes. to him. He's, I'm working. I'm fucking working here. I love it. I fucking love it. He's, I love he's that the guy. best. <laughs> I love that he's guy. I mean, I love that guy. He's the best. He says, you know, he is working. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, the Steelers play the way they have to play. Only nine drives. They move the ball. They ran the ball effectively. Atlanta's off defense is horrible. We know this, right? Mm-hmm. And Atlanta, when they have to throw the ball, they can't. They just don't. They can't make a living throwing Mariota. I think Arthur Smith has done as much as he can with this team. He just can't take them to another level. You know, and, and they got the ball back with a chance. They get it in the red zone. They get a penalty. They score a touchdown. They get a holding call. They come it back. I mean, it's just – they're just – Atlanta's just not good enough. But I think Arthur Smith has done a great job. I really do. You know, they had 17 plays in the fourth quarter. They only get three points. They had four first downs, and the kid throws an interception at the end of the game. All right, Michael. Well, let's take our final break on the other side. We'll get to the awards from this week and also preview Monday Night Football between the Saints and the Bucks. All right, Michael, before we get to Monday Night Football, let's hand out some hardware. Who's going on the lamb this week? Well, I, I think there's only one team that could go on the lamb, and they should go on forever. I, I mean, I, w- I was on Houston, so I watched that game. That, that was disgusting. Mm. I mean, that was really disgusting. If you're a member of the Texans organization, you've got to be embarrassed. You know, so, look, I, 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 I'm not being disrespectful to anybody, but I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, they're not getting any better. There's no improvement here. So I went back and I, and I did some research. And Lovey Smith's last two years in Tampa, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how he got the job because his last two years in Tampa, he was 2-14 and 14 and 6-10, and 10, Okay. Jeez. So then he gets the Illinois job. Great. Okay. Go. Let's go build a program in Illinois. Three and nine, two and ten, four and eight, six and seven. Okay. And then he goes two and five and gets fired. And now he's one ten and one. So Femi, I'm not good at math, but that adds up to twenty six seventy three and one in his Yikes. last one two three four five six seven eight years as a head coach. 
And then I watch that. The Browns score on a punt return. The Browns score on a quarterback sneak that gets fumbled. The Browns score on a screen pass that gets intercepted. It can't get any worse. Like, it can't get any worse. Like, you're just giving games away. I don't know what you're doing if you're Houston. I have no idea what's going on in Houston. Like, I don't know. I like Nick. I, I respect a lot of the people there. I'm not against Lovey. But your track record's your track record. When you're 26-73-1, maybe you're not really, right now at this point in your life, maybe you're, not, maybe you're better off to be a defense coordinator. I think the reality of it is, is, is Lovey's like a lot of musical artists. They have a really good album. They put it out. It's sold. But there's no more music coming out. You got to change your tune. You got to change it. You can't run Tampa two anymore. That's a win percentage, Michael, of twenty six percent over the last eight years, which is I mean, absolutely. Uh, but he got the job. I mean, he got the job. They wanted to hire Brian Flores. Brian went that lawsuit. They didn't get Brian, and so they settled on Lovey. So now you've gone David Culley and Lovey, and you've made no progress at all. You're going to fire another coach at the end of the year. People say it's unfair. It's unfair. You can't fire Lovey. You only gave him one year. Well, if it's unfair, I get it. It's unfair, but tell me where there's progress. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. Pep Hamilton. People think Pep Hamilton should be a head coach. Has anybody watched this offense? It's pretty dreadful. It's pretty dreadful what's going on in Houston. They're 1-10-1. Michael, let's get to a positive. (laughs) Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week. I think there's no doubt Philadelphia. I think Philly showed everybody in the league they can play right or left-handed, and they're going to be hard to play. They're going to be hard to play. And when they throw the ball like they did yesterday against a good team, a well-coached team like Tennessee, you got to take your hat off to them. If you don't know, now you know. Well, you got Buffalo's got – I mean, my man Stephen Bond, he's happy as hell. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo's got home field advantage. <laughs> and, look, I, I, I had Joe Burrow in my top five quarterbacks. I think yesterday he proved he belongs in the MVP conversation. He can replace your Tua ticket for the MVP conversation. <laughs> you gave me a Tua ticket. I never bet the guy. <laughs> I know you got one. You just don't want to admit it to me. That's all. I know no, you have I, a secret I, one I, to ask someone. I, I admit all I my tickets. You I admit I all my tickets. I, I told you in the summertime that, hey, maybe Trey Lance, there's a ticket out there. But Tua, there was no ticket for Tua. Uh, <laughs> the David Ogilvy fraud of the week. I mean, look, to me, I've been saying this for a year and a half now. If Brendan Staley, I, don't, I would love to know what Brendan Staley writes on his sheet. Watch Brendan <laughs> Staley. He's constantly, he's got the pen out, takes the pen. He writes in the right corner after almost there. I like to know what he's writing because he's supposed to be this defensive guru and his defense stinks. His defense has stunk for two years. Like, at some point, when you're the head coach running the defense, shouldn't your defense be good? I give Salai credit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as, as hard as I am on him, his, at least his defense has improved. Yes. Is, if the Chargers don't make the playoffs, is Staley done? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, again, he goes for it on fourth down. He gets a turnover. You know, goes for it on fourth down. You know, and it doesn't get it. The Raiders get the turnover back. Then the Raiders throw that interception. They throw a flag. Did you see that play? They throw a flag on that play. I mean, Mac Collins got mugged. They called pass interference, and they picked it up. Like, I never even saw I, I couldn't even understand it. Yeah, well, I think that's the story of NFL officiating. I don't think too many people can understand what's going on. Um, but, Michael, let's talk a little Monday night football. Tonight we have the Saints at the Bucks. Our show sponsor, DraftKings, is Tampa as three-point favorites. So this continues to tick down a little bit. Total sitting at 41. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? You know, I, 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 I'll take, the, bu- I'll take the, the Saints only for the fact that they usually play the Bucks well. And I haven't seen anything out of the Bucks that make me feel like they're going to play better. I don't think Brady's comfortable. This offensive line, especially without the tackle in there, 
mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going to be problematic. And look, New Orleans, is, this is their moment on national television. Last time they were on Monday night, they laid a huge egg. They can't yeah. do that. I, I, I'll take the points. I think Tampa wins, but it's you got to take three and a half. I don't think you can take three. Mm-hmm. I had it at three and a half. I think if it goes down to three, I, I think it's a pass at that point. I think that's really good advice there. Don't I wouldn't bet Saints plus three. It's there were so many other numbers that you could have taken. The party is over if you want to go ahead and bet New Orleans. But uh, that does it for all the games this week. But Michael, before we get out of here, let's hand out another award. Producer yeah. of the pod, our guy Stephen yeah. Bond. This is uh, it's yeah, bitter. It's a, it's, a, it's a bittersweet day for us here on the podcast. Uh, Stephen Bond. For those of you who've been listening, he is our resident Buffalo Bills mafia representative. But he is moving on to bigger and better. So, uh, Michael, yeah. figure we could share a couple thoughts about our buddy, who's uh, his yeah, last I mean, episode look, of the pod. Stephen's come in and taken over this pod. He's taken it all all over and d- done as good, done really a great job. He's a Buffalo Bills fan. He's a Buffalo. F- I mean, he and Jeff Glor are the two biggest Bills fans I know, along with. Uh, uh, Luke Russert. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's that Bill Mafia. He's part of it. He, you know, he's also secretly rooting for McDermott to screw up, but uh, we <laughs> yeah. appreciate everything he's done. He produces the Lombardi line after this, so mm-hmm. I appreciate everything. I'm hoping he'll have a great career. I know he will. Yeah, no, it'll be awesome stuff there. If you want to follow Steven and, and tweet him some Buffalo Bill stuff, it's at Sports by Bond. You can go ahead and uh, shout out to him and the Bills. Go ahead and get that one seed and get a rest on Wild Card Weekend. But yeah, like you said, Michael, uh, Steven was the producer for me on Betting Across America this summer. Also, when I first started at VSIN, the pregame show and also a number of other shows helped uh, oversee some of the operations and uh, projects that I've been working on at VSIN. So uh, we're going to miss him. He was a producer, but he's become a good friend. So, uh, Steven Bond, we wish you all the best of luck with your future future endeavors we know that you'll stay in touch and uh when the bills win the super bowl we'll come party with you no doubt and 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 and, uh, hopefully our next producer is not mr irrelevant it wasn't the last pick in the draft i mean we lose jimmy garoppolo now we got you know we can't do that right exactly man they got us replacing producers and quarterbacks all in the same week we'll claim someone off waivers maybe (laughs) that's what we'll do here where's baker maybe baker can come in and produce this i heard he's unemployed he's he's got he's got some time on his hands um but thank you as always for the final time our producer stephen bond on the ones and twos thank you to DraftKings. thank you to visa and thank you to all of you guys listening and watching make sure to subscribe rate and review and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. See you then, Michael. See you. Thank you.